Welcome, family, to the Restful Heart Podcast, where you hear conversations that shift your perspective on God, getting you past all the stuff that gets in the way, so you can finally find rest and pursue that rich, intimate relationship with God you so desire. I want you excited for the future again, and able to trust God through any storm. I'm your host, Jackie, owner and author of the Restful Faith blog, and I am excited that you're here. Welcome. I praise God for you and pray grace upon grace for your life. Let's go. Well, hello, beautiful, restful heart family. This is your sister in Christ, Jackie. And today I want to talk to you about what does it mean? What does it look like and feel like to seek God with your whole heart? And what's awesome is um, our church, Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas, Pastor Jimmy Witcher has put out this amazing message yesterday on pursuing God's presence. I encourage every believer to check it out because it was awesome. I'm going to go back and listen to it again. So much wisdom and there's so much in seeking the presence of God and how it transforms us. So if you are a believer who are wanting to draw closer to God, you're going through, you recognize that you are not living in peace you're not living in joy, um, that you're still just struggling and you don't know how to get to where you want to go as a believer, gosh, God's presence will transform your life. He does the work in you as you sit with him. He changes you from the inside out. He transforms you as you are in his presence, as you live a lifestyle seeking and pursuing his presence above all else. So I encourage you to check out this um, message that he shared yesterday. It's a life, it's literally a life-changing message if you're someone who's struggling with your walk with Christ. But anyway, so I just want to talk to you a little bit about seeking God with your whole heart, my experiences, what that feels like, experiencing God for yourself. I had written a blog post about it, I don't have access to it. I just have some of the notes I took. So forgive me if this is a little bit disjointed, but I will go ahead and get started. Jeremiah 29:13 says, "You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart." You know, I just love talking about and thinking about seeking God's face. Seeking God is truly my favorite part of following Jesus and living this Christian life. The fact that we get to talk and walk with our Creator, walking with Him in the cool of the day. But then I think about all the ways the enemy has attempted to stop us from doing just that, from trusting God enough to share every aspect of our lives with Him. All the lies, half-truths, and deceptions we find ourselves believing, a wrong view of what it means to be a Christian, a wrong view of God, and of our sufferings on this earth. All these things can really skew our perspective on this big God, this creator, the very one who is good and who gave us life. Psalms 107.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Such a powerful verse. Because I love to take things slow. I naturally walk at a slower pace than most people. I like to ponder my life and things with slow and methodical thought. 
I treasure rest and relaxation, and I'm most happy when the people around me are enjoying themselves and they're at ease. So I think, what an amazing God we serve, a God who can be found in the still and quiet places, as if he knew the world would soon be moving at such a chaotic pace, which he did. God calls us to seek him, and I'm so sorry, you probably hear birds. I'm parked over here, I'm in my van, and I'm next to a tree, you know, it's trying to find a shady place, and some birds kind of came over here, and they're, they think they're arguing. But anyway, God calls us to seek him with our whole hearts, so how can we seek him fully, taking in the fullness of experiencing God, if we're giving him our half-hearted attention? You know, this actually helps us understand God a bit better, to know that we serve a God who desires our whole being. And what I like to think of is when he he asks for our yes, he asks for our full surrender. When we say yes to God, when we come into agreement with God on situations in our life, it's like we can't come to him with a yes in our heads only, but not in our hearts. We have to come to him with a yes in our hearts to follow him, to surrender to him in whatever situation and so seeking him half-heartedly, I found it just doesn't work. It doesn't get you to where you want to, where you want to be. Going through the motions, giving him lip service, it just doesn't get you to where you want to be. But being still causes us to pause and look for him, which takes effort. It takes the effort of quieting the mind and soul so that we can hear him, so that we can know that he is God. There's a deeper knowledge of God and a clearer picture of his heart found in the stillness. We're able to get a clearer picture of who God is. Gosh, I'm so glad he's a God who wants us to rest in him, who wants to be with us, all oh, these birds, oh my goodness, who desires that we seek him out and commune with him. Intimate moments of connecting with the Father. So I have a question, and I humbly ask as a believer in Christ, if you consider yourself a Muslim or a Buddhist or, or some other, you know, religion, do you feel connected to your God, as in, do you have a relationship with Him or them? Does your God listen to you and respond? Do they laugh with you? Do they bring things to your remembrance that give you great delight? Have they shared in your suffering? Have they mourned with you when you're sad or rejoiced with you in celebration? These are the things, the hallmarks of having a relationship with a God who is alive. And I know a lot of people in you may consider um, Christianity to be just another religion. However, Jesus is the only God who is alive. He died and was raised again. He's alive, and he died for us. He died for you. It was a choice. He laid down his life so that you could have eternal life, that you could live. And he's a God who desires to be with you. So I just marvel at those intimate moments with God, those personal ways the Lord speaks to our heart in ways that only he knows we would understand, like the little inside jokes between a father and his child. God is so beautiful that way. Um, for me, I've discovered something that has kept me from seeking God's face. 
And there are there are certain things that keep us from seeking God and being able to seek God. And when we go to God, not finding him. And I kind of want to address that in this next portion. So James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clean your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Disappointment can keep us from seeking God's face. When emotions are down, when we're losing hope, when the promise has tarried, it can feel like our faith has been sapped. And the enemy uses disappointment to place distance between us and God, causing us to doubt God and what he said, and to doubt him and his goodness. Soon we'll find ourselves unable to come to God, or seemingly unable to come to God because it just hurts too much. But I want you to know that the first part of James 4.8 doesn't say he might draw near to you, but that he will. The question is, do you believe this with your whole heart? Do you believe that he's not lying to you when he said this? Do you believe, do you truly believe that he will draw near to you in this moment when your anxiety is high? When you can't seem to draw near, when your heart is heavy and your emotions are playing, are going haywire. Do you believe that he will come near to you every single time? Or do you believe that God is too disappointed with you to even just desire for you to come near to him? So there's this, there's this moment that we find ourselves in where it just hurts to come to the Lord. But, and, and our emotions are in the way and we feel like we're a million miles away and there just seems to be no... And even, even strong believers get this way. It just feels like there is no way you can come to God in this moment. And that TV show that you love is so near. That food is so near. It, that You look at that in the natural and you see that that's right there. I can get the comfort that I'm looking for. If I just open the refrigerator. Or if I just... If I just get in the bed, which is what I do. I, I, I don't know, naps are my comfort thing. <laughs> if I lay down and grab my phone and just get that comfort I'm, that I'm looking for. But after you've binge watched that show for a couple hours, after you've ate everything in the fridge, there, that, that deep hurt and that pain, it is still there. But once again, the first part of James 4 eight doesn't say he might draw near to you, but that he will. And in his presence, if you go back, if you watch that, that message, um, it's just on their Facebook page, Trinity Fellowship Church. I'm sure you can find it, Amarillo, Texas. But there's so many things that we need. Like in, in the presence of God is everything that you need. So when you seek him, whatever you're needing in that moment, you will find him. Comfort. You will find everlasting comfort. You will find the comfort that... Is not temporary, but is soul-filling, is soul-restoring comfort. You will find the peace, you will find the joy, you will find the rest in your heart that you're looking for. And when you connect to the Father on that level, where you know that you know because He is a living God, you can connect to His heart, you can speak to, his, speak to Him, He speaks to your heart. You will come away content. But you have to come to him in faith. We must come to him believing that what he said was true. Believing that he will draw near. It takes faith to come to him. And the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. Because he who comes to God 
must first believe that he exists and then secondly believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him and i can't remember the verse right now where it says that but um, we come to him in faith it takes faith to to be saved it takes faith to say yes to this god that you can't see with your natural eye but that you feel and you can sense with the other senses takes a great deal of faith to be saved. So draw on that faith if you're struggling, that yes, I believe he exists. Yes, I believe he rewards those who seek him. And I've learned that God doesn't deal in half-truths. He doesn't say one thing and mean something else like we often do. So when he said, I will draw near to you when you draw near to me, what he said was true. Even if you feel like you're a million miles away from him, even if you think he won't listen because he's already told you what to do, trust that he meant what he said. So when you seek God with your whole heart, you will find him. And God doesn't want you to leave the secret place carrying the same heavy load you came in with. When I felt so far from the Lord, he's shown me countless times that yes, he was so near. His invitation to his presence into the Holy of Holies his dwelling place is open and is continual. I want to tell you a story, a quick story about seeking God in faith. This is about the woman who came to the Lord and her daughter, um, she's a Canaanite woman, and her daughter was demon-possessed and she was suffering terribly. So leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering, suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So I was listening to a message from John Bevere, um, and he mentioned he mentioned that story, and he helped me see that God responds to our faith, not our needs, not necessarily our needs. God knows how to engage our faith. Jesus was well aware of her need, but knew just what to say to that Canaanite woman that would ignite her faith to see her daughter made well. When she demonstrated her unwavering, unwilling to bend faith, she received the answer she was looking for. And because of her faith, Jesus marveled. So that part of um, James 4, 8, the second part says, Come to, says, um, clean your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we are to come, so this is, we're talking about how to see God's face. So first we come to him in faith. Second, we come to him with pure motives and clean hands. So we examine in our hearts why we're seeking God in that moment. Are we trying to get something out of him? Or are we genuinely wanting to spend time with the Father? 
And so the second reason takes time in cultivating a relationship with him, a relationship that's built on trust, on experiencing God for ourselves. It, it depends on us getting acquainted with God's goodness and his faithfulness. Often when we come to the Lord, we do have very serious requests, but seeking God, not the requests alone, allows us to draw near to him. Because it's hard to draw near to him when, when our problems look bigger than he looks. We see our problems as bigger than he sees them. Like Peter walking on the water when Jesus told him to come. And he was walking on water. But then he looked and he saw the wind and the waves and he began to sink. And then another um, way we see God's face, we get comfortable letting go of control. And I ask, why is that such a struggle for some of us? Talking about myself. <laughs> you know, but I've found, I've found such peace when I truly let things go as I approached the throne of grace, no matter how scary it felt. As I took my hand off of my life circumstances, as I gave them to Jesus and left them there. Picking them back up sometimes, but giving it back to him a thousand times over. I learned to wait on him. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. So another question that comes up is, what if you've lost the passion to seek God's face? What if you have no desire to seek him? What if your worship has gone stale? Or you're too emotionally broken up to come to him. Know that I get it. I have experienced this too many times to count. But I learned that true worship to God is a byproduct of the revelation of Jesus in our hearts, which only comes through devotion to the Word of God. So we learn to prioritize God's Word, which is the Bible. We learn to delight in it and feast on it. We meditate on it. We, we make it our lives, our heart's priority. We come to God's word to get to know God. And the more we get to know Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit, the more we develop adoration for him, which is where true worship begins. So if my worship has gone stale, I ask myself, how much time have I been devoting to God's word? And if there's, there's this reason, if we find ourselves when we can't get in the word like we used to, Holy Spirit, your ever-present comforter is right there with you. He knows the exact reason. And so that's yet another reason to come into the presence of God. Because he knows what's there. And if you stay and wait on him and sit with him, he will reveal to your heart what is in the way. And also I wrote, no, a true worship doesn't begin and end with a song. It's a lifestyle. We worship God by the way we live our lives. There is another message I was listening to where he was talking about, he was sharing his testimony when he was in his wilderness season. And he was, he would be praying to the Lord for like hours at a time. But those were prayers of desperation and frustration. That was him trying to enter in, but something was dry. And this was a message, and this was from the Messenger X app. It's like Messenger International. It's an app. It's a very awesome app. I would highly recommend it. It 
has a lot of the books that he's written for free, a lot of them in audio version, and then has tons of courses for every aspect of this Christian life. Highly, highly recommend. Um, it's a great, great teacher. But anyway, he talks about when he was in his wilderness season, and this was from a message called Drawing from the Deep Well. And so he talked about in the in the Word of God where it talks about the, the early rain and the latter rain. And so those are those moments that you just, the presence of the Lord comes so quickly and you just, it's just very quick and easy to enter in and to be with Him. But then there's times in the life, there's wilderness seasons where it's not so quick, where there's there's work to be involved. It's like digging. And I mentioned, I was telling my sister in Christ, Jessica, that sometimes it feels like there's this, it's this great pearl and I've got this, like this excavator's hammer, you know, like this pickaxe. And, you know, I've so many times spending, spending hours sitting with the Lord as, as if I have this pickaxe and I'm trying to enter in and I'm picking at this great pearl. And in the center of this pearl is a beautiful presence of God, the Holy of Holies. And I'm just picking at it and working at it and struggling. And so my quiet times with the Lord have been struggle, <laughs> been a struggle. It's just been frustration. So I really, when he said that and he shared his testimony, it really resonated with me. It's as if I was sitting there picking at this pearl trying to get in. But it's, it's like God, there's this season where God is calling us to draw from the deep well on the inside of us. Those are the times that we really get in close with him. However that it is in that moment for you, praying, if you haven't prayed in a while, um, worshiping, praising him. Oh, and then he talked about, this is what he, so um, there's a song that I used to sing. We used to sing growing up in church. I will enter your gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter your courts with praise. We enter in, if we are struggling and if we are heartbroken and we are having problem entering in, Praise is what gets us in. Praise. And I'm not talking about worship. Praise. Because we're praising and we are declaring the goodness of God. So, coming to Him. He said, this is what He said in this testimony. He said, the, the Holy Spirit told Him to praise Him. And so, he it took every effort to praise Him. It, he didn't feel like doing it. And he was dancing before the Lord. He got by himself and was dancing. And it felt like he was dancing through like a lead pool or just the thick, you know, it was just thick and it wasn't, it wasn't joyous. It wasn't, it was very forced. And, but he was praising God and he said he put on this song. It was this medley of, of worship songs or praise songs and 12 minutes long. He put it on. He was singing and dancing with it. It, it was, it was work. It was work um, because of where he was at. And he played it all the way through. And then after he played it through, the Holy Spirit said, play it again. So he played it again. And he, when he played it again, the Lord showed him a picture. He saw Jesus. He, the Lord showed him Jesus. And it was such a revelation to his heart. It was, And it filled him with joy. And so he was talking about that time where he just could not get the joy. He didn't have the strength. And he could not get that joy. The word of God says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And he got that joy again when he began praising God. He became obedient to the Lord. 
He had a relationship with the Lord. That's where it starts, to where he could hear God say, praise me. And then instead of brushing that aside, he was obedient and he praised God in that moment. And God was able to do his work on the inside. And he was able to unplug that well and restore that joy. And because his joy was restored, his strength was restored. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so um, I thought that was a beautiful story. And it just really resonated with me because that is that has been my my testimony this, this summer is you know, it's just been like a dam, you know, unplugged. And even this morning, it was a dam. And, and I had to sit with the Lord and and reevaluate my heart's decision and desire to follow Jesus, to um, follow him. Because there's some things that we go through in this life that make us want to give up. They, they're some hard experiences that we don't understand what's going on and we feel like giving up. Well, what helped me this morning was being open and honest with, with the Lord and sitting with Him. And and I just opened up the Bible and asked the Lord where where to go. And I think, um, okay, so this is how it started. And I'll share my testimony a little bit. Um, a lot of times the Lord brings, you know, if I pop on YouTube, there's a video that is speaking to me in that moment. And so there was this video by this guy, this um, Christian um, financial business guy. His name is Myron Golden. I just discovered him. But um, he's very, very knowledgeable in the Word of God. Like, there's so much wisdom and there's so much biblical knowledge, not head knowledge, but heart knowledge and experiencing God. And But anyway, he was talking about, I think he was reading a little bit in Philippians, and, um, you know, and I know you know the scripture, I think it's Philippians 4, 19. We're going to take a look in Philippians chapter 4 and just really get that. Yep, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so I was like, well, let me go back to Philippians 4. But I felt like going all the way to the beginning of Philippians and just starting and going very, very slow reading through, I even read through kind of the setting and the context, the history of um, Philippi, the the place where, and place in Macedonia. Um, then I cross-referenced in Acts when the Lord, when Paul had saw that vision to go to Macedonia and when somebody from Macedonia was calling them to come to them. And so they immediately got up and set sail for Macedonia and they went to uh, Philippi because that was the foremost city. And I was like, okay, well, why is that the foremost city? Kind of started from the beginning. And then I didn't, I didn't even get to Philippians four. I just got through probably the first half of Philippians one, as I slowly and methodically read it and pondered it and cross-referenced it and talked to God as I was reading it with questions that came up and things that I wanted to, I mean, it's just, it's just an interaction with the Holy Spirit. And so I did that this morning and that is when I, the question came up, am I really ready to follow Jesus? Am I re- rededicating myself? Because there's been a push, you know, because it's been so tight for me financially for so many years. But before I was working, I was a retail manager, I was working 40 plus 50 60 hours a week 
And then even after that, the Lord really, really blessed me as I was transitioning to getting the, the working for myself and things like that. Um, I was working jobs where it was Monday through Friday. It was such a blessing. And it was like eight to four, nine to five, such a blessing coming from a place in the restaurant, biz industry, retail, where it was, well, I would work weekends and Sundays and things like that. But I had the past few years that there were jobs where I just worked like Monday through Friday, nine to four, working my 40. I have my weekends and my evenings, which is what I really enjoyed. I was kind of going back over my life this morning, thinking about where God has brought me from and thinking about this whole thing called life. Um, I was thinking about my childhood and where, you know, this was before cell phones, before um, we were so globally connected. My whole world for the first 18 years of my life was the small town, Littleful, Texas, where I grew up and was raised. And then that was the little city. And then Lubbock, Texas, was the big city. That is pretty much all I knew. And I was kind of going back over my childhood and just what stuck out the most. And I was telling the Lord, I was thanking God because I was so blessed. I had a magical childhood. I really did. And I say that not because of my circumstances, because I had, um, I didn't have dad growing up. He, he just wasn't in the picture. It was my mom. And I kind of had to grow up a little bit in, at an early age because my mom got sick pretty quickly. You know, she had me at a, later in life. And then she left this earth um, later or earlier, you know, before she hit 70. And so she had me when she was 42. And, you know, and she started to get sick finally in her 50s, mid-50s, things like that. And then had this battle with dialysis and, and things like the heart failure and stuff like that. So... I had to grow up quickly. Um, I was the youngest of nine. My, the one next to me, my sister, was eight years older than me, so she left soon. So it was me and my mom for a, a good while, and so I had to grow up really quickly. But I said all that because all that I can remember looking back, as I'm, this is six months before I turned 40, um, looking back over my life, the first 18 years were magical. They were magical, every experience, because I, I don't know. The Lord was with me, and... Just being a lifelong learner, um, school, friends, even the tough times being in junior high, it was not easy. Um, everything, it was just, it was such a blessing. And so I was looking back over my life as a way to thank the Lord for it and to pivot my heart to, the, to what God has for me in the future. God's plans for my life. I kind of, it was kind of like a nod to thank you, Lord, for my life. And then I went over my 20s and my 30s, so my college years, and then my years of trying to climb the corporate ladder. And when I didn't finish college, and because I went for music, but of course I didn't really pursue any music related careers because um, that was my passion, one of my passions. But I was just kind of like a leaf just blowing through life. And so, and then my 30s was spent really pursuing, at least the first half of my 30s, the second half of my 20s, first half of my 30s, was was spent pursuing management, whatever job. But that was when I was working the 50, 60 plus, 70 hours a week, trying to build something, earn money, but just had no real knowledge of how, of, um, how to manage money. And so 
And then, of course, on top of that, I wasn't fulfilled because I wasn't doing what my heart's passion was. I was just going through the day. And so the last, I want to say the last half of my 30s have been marked by really just like a, a skyrocket. The Lord has really been transforming me from the inside out. Me on this journey of seeking him and seeking working for myself. The Lord has been purifying my motives. He's been restoring confidence that was lost years ago. He has just really been changing me into who he created me to be. And it's been wonderful. And it's been terrifying. <laughs> and it's been heartbreaking. And it's been the most joy. All wrapped up into one this past, these past last, you know, five years of my life. But I was, was just going back over my life this morning with the Lord so that I could finances being so tight for so many years because they have been tight me pursuing working for myself going from one thing to another because my heart there was no intention my heart wasn't 100% focused on the one thing seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness it was a time and all these things will be added unto you I had to really learn that to go through that to go through that so I'm so grateful to be able to have gone through that and to still be going through but it's been so tight so there's been this incredible temptation to there was this thing in my heart this morning to pursue wealth to seek you first wealth and, and to focus on that because I know that I want my 40s to be marked by wisdom and intentionality and I'm like what am I going to be intentional for is it going to be pursuing wealth because there's this temptation because it's been so tight and because I've had to rely on others and have not been self-sufficient this summer like I I want it to be, like I've been my whole adult life. And so there's this temptation to, do I want to pursue wealth? I can pursue wealth and know that I will still have a relationship with the Lord. However, when you seek ye first the kingdom of God, when you seek the presence of God, when you make that Lord your life's ambition, his righteousness, his holiness, seeking him first above all else, because as Paul said, I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. I know the secret. In Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so there's so much more when we seek, when we lose our life, when we truly deny ourselves. I am learning what that really means to deny yourself. When we deny ourselves, when we seek Jesus, we um, lay down our life and pick up his His yoke. We lay down, because with somebody who has so many dreams and desires and passions, all of those are only fulfilled when we lose our life for him, for his sake. We become slaves to him. And I was also thinking about, well, why is that? Why is that? For me, in my limited understanding, it might be naive, but I think back to the garden and what we what was lost. When we when we sinned and when we disobeyed God and was deceived by the enemy and ate of the fruit that God said, "Do not that you will surely die when you do that." Um, we became enemies of God. We we became hostile to God and hostile to each other, and we were born with that hostility in our hearts 
towards God and towards another, towards each other. That's why like, I like when Dan Moeller always talks about we don't have to be taught to um, say mine or give me or I want, but we do have to be taught to say thank you because that is inherent in us. We're born with that hostility towards the goodness of God. And so any attempt of ours to even my attempt, knowing God better than I did, you know, years ago, and my knowing that that acquiring wealth won't get in the way of that, even all of that, my intentions will still be self-seeking and self-serving because we're born with that inherent nature, that flesh, and we're still in this fleshly body with that inherent nature. The only way, we cannot save ourselves. The Lord is the one. We are restored when we say yes to Jesus, when we turn and say yes. And then he is the one who saves us. He is the one who restores us to the Father. We cannot do it. We do not have the capacity to do it because we were dead in our sins before Christ. So there is no capacity for a dead person to restore themselves. All they can do is receive. All they can do is receive. And so we, inherently in us, without Christ, we don't have that capacity to be totally self-seeking and self-serving. I mean, to be unselfish and un... It's just not there. It's anti the nature. You have to be taught that from society... And so when we pursue God, when we lay down our lives, our passions, our dreams for his, we find that life that we were looking for. We find that true joy and peace and happiness in him because it's all in him. And it's not dependent on what we're going through because we're not promised to have a peachy life. I know you've heard this a million times. But it is dependent on our awareness of God in our lives. If we are more aware of our circumstances, if we're more aware of how big they seem, our awareness of God is so little, we will be living a life of fear and anxiety and unrest. But if we shift our focus, we pursue God, pursue intimacy with the Lord, seek his presence with our whole heart, say yes, do we just say yes to him? And really understand why we need to seek the presence of the Lord. And we will find him. We will seek him first. All the things that the world, the Gentiles, what the Bible called, um, all the things that the Gentiles pursue and are anxious about, we will find in him. In Christ is everything you need. God has been telling me that all summer. So if you have been struggling, you want to lose weight and get healthy and fit, and you've been struggling to do that and you want you're trying to like I need to make a plan I need to do this I need to do that all that's found in him if you're somebody who's like I need wisdom I need to learn I need finances I all that's found in him when you seek him and his righteousness everything you need you'll have everything because you'll have him and in him is all you need and so um my sister in Christ, Coach Cindy Stewart, she says she posted something on her stories or a reel that just really was so good. She says, what do you find when you seek God? If you need peace, you find God's peace. If you need strength, you find God's strength. If you need answers, when you seek him with your whole heart, 
you find the answers your heart needs. And so I added, be patient with the Lord and seek him diligently. Don't give up. Love your friends so much you be blessed and encouraged. The Restful Heart Podcast is part of my blog, Restful Faith, where you can learn more and join the family. Visit www.restfulfaith.com. And to help support this podcast, you can donate by following the links in the show notes. Love you so much. You be blessed and encouraged.